Welcome back to Handbook for Handbook for Mortals, and this the 19th chapter of the long-term expiation of sins, that is our chapter-by-chapter read-through of Handbook for Mortals. Uh, I continue to be James DeBrucker, and with me as always is... Megan Griffin. And last week we talked about uh, the chariot. And this week we talk about death. Um, as you'll remember from last chapter, there was an explanation of what has to happen to bring to to bring the main character back. And now we finally get to see the results of all the magic that the book's been building up to. Uh, did I miss anything? Nope, I think you're right. All right. Um, so yeah, this was at least a shorter chapter than the one before. Um, hooray. No uh, weird flashbacks to deal with. And yeah, let me get out my trusty copy of Promethea. Uh, death is, of course, the 13th Trump. And here we go. Um what better symbol grim and bleak of the dark ages at their peak or a battlefields the corpse birds keen their pain to death our card 13 though this card sounds a funeral knell it has another tale to tell death our eventual awful fate means nothing more than change of state one state must end tis common sense before another may commence this card permits then a fresh view death of the old that births the new folks bodies die their souls were born into the golden solar dawn so too with culture man's dark age was but a necessary stage with great constantinople felled the scholars and the books it held fled west their knowledge to impart and give the renaissance its start the high dark ages endless night held in itself seeds of new light tis fear and ignorance that write beneath that writhe beneath time's blunt yet powerful scythe uh so in the tarot of course death is nothing more than uh transition um which reminds me of when we studied freud in college and i remember reading something from freud i forget what book was it civilization it's anyway anyway he's analyzing someone's dream and the person dies in their dream and freud said well obviously death means life and that's when i kind of went uh, freud's bullshit but uh this is more about death as change of state which again sort of kind of applies to what happens here but we'll we'll get to that um so, okay, how do we open chapter 19, then? Since I'm stuck in the middle of chapter 20, I'm flipping back through my book. Well, we end chapter 18 with Mac and Charles talking about uh, why Charles left. Right. Um, and that Mac... Uh, no, sorry, Charles feels better... Uh, having talked about it a little bit and felt lighter than he had in a long time. And there is a, a, a later, it, 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 there's been a time jump. Yep. It was later that night. Um, and we kind of missed. And yeah, they're just sitting around with their thumbs up their ass. Up later. Yeah. Um, uh, waiting for Della to finish getting ready. Uh, Zade reminds us that all of this is plucked secondhand from 
the memories of Charles and Mac. Uh, so there's a lot of everybody is yeah everybody is stressed and drained and everything like that um and again it, it's a lot of mac looked hollow empty and drained uh sitting on pins and needles gaze was somber it's all very uh, lightning crashes and della shows up and he rem or she leads mac through the uh beginning of the ritual and what she has to do, which we talked about last episode, uh, uh, a, a, a magical penetration to bring Zade back to life. Well, even uh, before that, there is a discussion for the first time of where Zade is, and that is we have no idea. That's right. That's right. Which, 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 which we talked about all the way back in the illusion. Like, okay, where is Zade in all this? And yes. We which don't again, know. During the illusion, it's kind of sort of mentioned towards the end where she is. Mm -hmm. um, but here we don't know. It's also, you know, the reason she pulled memories is because she doesn't remember any of this or like have any sense of time past or, or anything. Um, there is some discussion and that she may be somewhere not awake. Um, but yeah, everybody is kind of, you know, at the end of their anxiety. Um, she calls Mac a worried puppy, which anytime someone's called a puppy in a book, it's kind of like a negative connotation, despite like how much everybody loves puppies. Right. Like if um, someone is making puppy dog eyes at someone else, there's a, there's a patronizing air to that. Right. So, um, I don't know what the intent was there, but it, it, it does come across as, as kind of, um, patronizing Mac. Um, yeah, this is the first chapter that it kind of hit me that it's weird. She keeps calling Della, Della. Not mom. Like, I understand why she calls Charles, Charles, but yeah, there is no, like, my mom, mom did this. It's always Della, which... Could be left over from the screenplay, you know, cues and things like that. But it's, I don't know, it's the first time it's really mm. struck with me on this one. Um, so, yeah, everything's ready. Um, she, apparently, um, Della has given Max some some idea or like not ideas, some or something. guidelines as to what he's going to have it's, to do. You've got to um, believe. And he goes to pick her up. And there's a weird line of, like, um, it was weird seeing every, like, how I looked through everybody's eyes, but even more so through Max. And I don't, is it because Mac is actually getting close to her? Has nobody else gotten close to her? Um, you know, is she starting to look even more dead at this moment? Like, it's a weird, just, I don't quite know what she means. Is it because of Max's emotions? Um, I don't know. It's very open-ended yeah Della gives Mac the pep talk about how you know oh you have to believe this will work the mind is a powerful thing the most powerful thing on earth even and it can will magic into existence or extinguish it um it is still kind of unclear how much Zade is taking from people's memories and what she chooses to take and what she chooses to share with the reader um and and it's it's hard to sort of separate what is 
what a character is thinking versus what is what Zade says a character is thinking. And that gets weirder considering how little distance there is between uh, Lanny Serum and Zade. So there's, there, there's a lot going on with every sort of character description in this, um, which comes up a lot because it's explained over and over again um, how people are feeling rather than shown, which we've talked about before. Right. Um, there's another slam on Mac. Um, he's pretty strong for a guy who isn't really big or muscular. I'd always thought he was more tall and slender, but he's tough. And again, like, I don't know. It just doesn't. Didn't we, uh, didn't we say that Jackson was kind of the Twinkie person? Isn't that what we assumed? Or is that just because he was in a band? I don't oh, no, that was, that, that was, that, that was me. So. That was me. Um, yeah, like, she's she's talked about how, it, you know, Mac looks throughout the whole thing. He's not classically handsome. Um, he looks like a real lumberjack when he actually wears plaid. And now we get that, you know, he doesn't particularly look like a strong guy, but he's a dude that's been working in a Vegas show behind the scene for 11 years. Like, it's kind of an implication that he dude's probably got some... Uh, yeah, he's, he's 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 a so, physically demanding job. Uh, um, it's just it's one of those weird moments of like you're supposed to be madly in love with this guy, or at least like you know there's supposed to be some kind of connection, and it, it's a very patronizing um, description again. So uh, the, so then we start with the ritual ablutions. Um, Della sprinkles something on Zade's chest that was oily and warm. Which is the only description that we are given. And I have no idea what this could possibly be. I mean, it could be any kind uh, well, of... It, it, well, right, but it, like like last episode where we were talking about why doesn't she just say athame rather than explain it's like right. a dagger but not. Um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of process in here of like we're told repeatedly that Zayd is pulling memories from people and like, and yet in here it talks about how uh, Della is doing magic that Zayd doesn't quite understand. And yet she's pulling it from her mother's mind. So she should be able to know what she's putting on. If you're, yeah, I mean, there should be, I get not wanting to give everything of a ritual or something because, like, God forbid he might try this. Um, but it's, like, a weird line of, like, I know everything that I choose to know. And, like, I don't really particularly care to know what kind of magic my mother was doing here. Um, so, thus... Well, I, I don't want to jump ahead in the chapter too much, but maybe there's something about Della that prevents Zaid from doing a, a, a full read. And so... Zade can't for 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 some reason whether it's you know clarified butter or beeswax or whatever Della is just keeping that in her uh, in her hidden place. Um, I mean, I've been to enough magic shops. You get essence. Oh yeah, totally, oils. totally. Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, like, exactly. This is a thing. You take oil, you know, baths and ritual baths and stuff. It's not that. Um, it is weird that it doesn't say what it is, oh. but oily and warm didn't bother oh no no i other than like there they she made sure to talk about how zade doesn't remember mm -hmm. anything yet talks about how 
it's warm. It was just a weird. Uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, I, tr- trust me. I wasn't. I wasn't disquieted or, or or triggered by this or anything like that. It was more just like, what the heck is? Uh, you know, what what could it possibly be? Um, there's a brief description of the altar. There is one line that I wanted to talk about. Um, after they get to the, uh, okay, there are two lines. The first one is. Uh, stopped under several large ancient oak trees near a couple of weeping willows. In that moment, the trees truly looked like they were weeping. And I have largely shied away from pointing out specific phrases in terms of quality of writing. That was painful for me to read. Yes. Um, the other bit was... It was almost perfect and also very strange, the way the eerie silverly light hit exactly on top of the altar as if it were part of a lighting plot from the theater. The sinking feeling Mac had been living, as if he had stepped into a bad dream or an equally bad B-movie, hadn't gone away, and if anything had gotten worse. I will always react against characters in a book sort of winkingly lampshading the, oh, this is just like a bad B movie, but it's okay because the character is commenting on it, and so it doesn't matter. You know, we, we, we exist in a world where this could have been written not like a bad dream or an equally bad B movie or a uh, Jim Steinman music video or something like that. Right. Um, um, I, I do like that she talks about how the altar... Um, she's got fountains that are placed so that the altar can kind of be added or taken away whenever um, we've never really heard like anything if she has neighbors or you know how close the next house is or anything and like again like we're told that they're kind of shunned for being weird but there's never a direct like discussion of how weird and why like does she have neighbors that have seen this kind of stuff, like them doing magic in their backyard? Um, so I don't know. It's it's the first time that I kind of thought of that. I like the idea of having kind of a covert way of setting up yep. the altar, but why is it yeah, covert? Yeah, I, I can't imagine that Centerville, Tennessee is that densely populated a, 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 an area though it has enough people to support uh, card reading as a, as a life, you know, as a, as a, as a, well, a, a, a business. Um, and I also can't imagine that Della ever gets particularly goat slaughtery or something like that in the backyard. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a nice beat to say that it was a, 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 a stealth altar. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of buildup, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of buildup for it's it's i mean for for all that this is a shorter chapter the the actual event takes up a vanishingly small piece of it like the actual ritual itself is just kind of over and done with in a flash um Oh, there's another har har. I'm lampshading it here, where Zaid says it was a bit too Vegas for my taste. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um. So, yeah, I mean, they they tie her legs down. 
there's a storm brewing, um, and there's a, uh, a moment of Mac wondering wisely if they were causing the storm. The wisely is a misplaced. Like, is it wisely? I don't. I don't have a clue. Um, but you know, he's wondering it. Full stop. Is fine. Um, then Della rips open her shirt to expose the middle of her chest, just enough to expose the middle of her chest. Keep that PG thirteen um, rating, is... kids. Exactly. Um, then uh, and Mac's mind starts to wonder. I like this. Um, this is another team Mac moment for me. See, I sat here and was like, we've been told that. Um, sorry. Uh, we've been told that Della can read minds, so I don't know. Like, is this the time to really be wondering, like, what else is in the world when your, you know, pseudo girlfriend might be dying and is laying on an altar? Ma- maybe it was to keep him from thinking in the presence of the 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 mind reader. Wow, your daughter has nice tits, or something like that. I mean, it's a. It... Well, her mom starts talking about how, or thinking about how she's hauntingly beautiful. So fair point. You know. Fair point. Um, Max starts to, yeah. Max starts wondering about what other supernatural beasties are out there in the world, which is a much more interesting question than is ever answered in this book. Um, yeah, I don't think it is ever answered. Yeah, like I, I, I don't expect everything to be a full-on world of darkness where there are vampires and changelings and mages and werewolves and wraiths and mummies and um, they did in fact get Frankenstein's monsters in towards the end. But it is, it is nice to have Mac realize that if there is proof of one supernatural element to the world, then it is easier to accept the existence of other supernatural elements. Um, So, yep. Then Della starts thinking about how hot her daughter is. Yeah, it's weird. Like, this was the the point where I started realizing, like, she keeps calling her Della and not mom or anything about, like, calling her mom. And, again, like, I don't know if this is left over from the screenplay or if this is, like because she's reading my it's very weird but Della walked around and stood on the other side of the stone and me her beloved daughter really like again like it's been a little while since it's felt like such a self-inserted Mary Sue despite the fact that like the whole book is a Mary Sue but like me comma her beloved daughter it's 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 sad and it does speak to an un you know unidentified need on the behalf of the the author the way that you could do this and have it make a little bit more sense and be slightly less weird is for Zade to say something like, you know, as she's draining the memories from people, the fact that it was, it was three people in such a emotionally charged liminal space meant that some of the signals got crossed. So, so maybe it's Mac that's thinking that Zade is hauntingly beautiful and, and um, Charles is overwhelmed with, how much he actually loves his daughter and he feels like a heel. And, and, and so she's, she's getting bits and pieces from everybody and sort of tossing it together in one stew is how I would write this. So it makes a little bit more sense, but we are not, yeah, we're not reading I mean, James DeBricker's handbook for mortals. Um, yeah. It's just like, I don't know if anybody has seen someone on the verge of death. I have. 
you don't look pretty. Like, I don't know anybody that I've ever seen, myself included, that's on the verge of death. It's like, wow, they look really pretty that close to death. Not even in, like, the 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 Eastern sense of the beauty of a thing is in its impermanence. You know, like the, the, the silk scroll with snow and a branch and one leaf slightly off-centered. You know, the, the, the beauty of that sort of passing. Yeah, no, like, people who are on the verge of death do not look pretty. Yeah, I mean, she's taking such shallow breaths that it looks like she's not breathing. Her body's cold and lifeless and her skin is pale and cold and clammy. And so it's like, again, you, this could have been left out. All it did was remind me that this character is such a well, it would, it would also make more sense if it were a, um, if it were a, a, a late, like a, a 19th century novel um, where, you know how uh, paleness and a sort of pallor were were tied to the ideal of beauty, like like the Dracula thing. I mean, it's it's it, it would almost read a little bit better there, but in, in a modern context, it sounds, as you say, like kind of creepy and weird. Um, we finally yeah. get to the uh, the uh, the 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 big the big finale, the money shot, where at three a.m which is a, a weirdly specific time, but oh well. Um, 3 a.m. is, it's the witching hour. Is 3 a.m. technically it's, the witching hour? Yes. Midnight's the devil's hour. 3 a.m. is the witching hour. Okay, well. Or maybe it's, no, because 3 a.m. is the opposite of 3 p.m. and that's when Jesus died. So that's the devil's hour, but I think it's always mistaken as the witch's hour, if I remember correctly. Um, and it's, We've been told it's storming, and yet there's moonlight, so not really sure what's going on with the weather. Um, but, you know, typically thunderstorms, there's a lot of clouds. Okay, and, so. and you are absolutely right. Uh, in European tradition, the hour between 3 and 4 a.m. was considered a peak of supernatural activity. D- yep. Due to the absence I've of prayers... I've watched and read enough supernatural st- shit. Oh, cool. Well, and, um, the only thing I knew that was significant um, for 3 a.m. is that the KLF's hit song, 3 a.m. Eternal. Um, so, Mac... I believe every supernatural occurrence in um, Amityville Horror and... Shit, I just watched one of these the other day. What is it called? Paranormal Activity Happens in the 3 o'clock hour. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so Mac, oh, that's right. We have a Klaatu Barada necktie moment where, where Mac forgets to, forgets the words that he's supposed to say. Um, yep. Cause it's, it's 3am. Mac had been taught the chant that he needed to say, but for a moment panic spread over his face. He had forgotten the chant. How had he forgotten the simple words that Della had taught him just moments earlier in the house? Um, we do eventually get to the chant and which is Bosnian. Yes. I actually, I did this. I did a little bit of research. I was like, that looks, I wonder if I can figure out what that is. And the only hit that I could find that was definitely, this was someone talking about this book going, why does this need to be in Bosnian? Um, yeah, there's the it translated it's with this dagger pervaded the magic of the old and my faith let love reverse this curse reverse the curse and resurrect the spirit of soul through the body of something. The last bit doesn't translate. Huh. 
well good to know so maybe they're they're eastern orthodox um she's jewish oh so. that's right that's right that's right yeah. um so again maybe maybe while lanny Sarum uses gypsy inappropriately maybe she is supposed to be of eastern european i don't know um it's the, the 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 description of the simple words reminds me of something that um, comes up a lot in Lovecraftian stories, and the hosts of HP Podcraft actually comment on this. The idea where um, a character is driven, like character A witnesses Red Shirt B ranting and raving, and character a says something like oh he was just talking nibberish or uh, gibberish t- talking about like nyarlathotep and and shub and and c- words like cthulhu and and managing to pick out all the uh the the words that are signifiers in the lovecraftian tradition while saying oh yeah it's just gibberish so yeah i i it, this is i would not i i as a non-native bosnian speaker as not a speaker of bosnian at all would not consider this a simple chant but oh well um no it's definitely not and uh um i mean it it makes it makes sense as to why you know it's not in english um it also makes sense why it's not latin um but okay tell me more about that i mean you know if i like the fact that she uses bosnia because everybody uses latin in their pop culture mute um music pop culture magic references mm. so like i'm okay with addressing the fact that you know it is an old language as well and um like i'm okay with it eastern europe had has a lot of magical culture that isn't explored yep. so um i'm pretty cool with this um, I still don't know what guard rich is. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It doesn't translate, so I don't know what that's supposed to be. Um, but Z- I mean, even if she just put this through Google Translate for whatever reason or something like that, like it's the first amount of kudos that I'm going to give of like you research something yeah. and I'm cool with this. Zade is then successfully penetrated. Um she rises up um oh the dragger is transmuted into an oddly shaped glass sculpture um zade having been penetrated rises up and begins to cough up blood so we have uh the symbology of of taking the uh of of the removal of the hymen is the only thing that i can think of in this context you know there are there are explosions it's all you know, full of, of energy and bodily fluids going all over the place. Um, and Della decides to take Zade out of the rain. Um, and I am curious if Della knew what was going to happen. Cause Mac makes a point of saying like, he doesn't know if he, what he's done is right or if it's gone wrong. Um, all he's told to do is, you know, plunge the dagger into her chest. Um, which is a little shitty unless Della doesn't know. Um, but yeah. we're not. For all, We have no idea if she doesn't. Right. For all that Della says, you have to believe that this will work. Um, uh, a soup song of, and then there's going to be a big explosion and she's going to start vomiting blood and that's fine. 
would be helpful. Right. Um, so then we have a 17-page-odd refractory period, because it's all sort of winding down after this. Um, like, it's... Mac finally asks, you know, was that supposed to be what happened? Um, and Della says yes, so it sounds like, you know, now all they can do is wait. They've done everything they can. Um, Charles goes through a very long guilt trip. Um, Jackson is finally mentioned. I was just going to say, Jackson still exists. Hooray, Jackson! Yeah. Um, Charles lets Mac know that, you know, he's keeping Jackson in the loop. Um, he knows that Jackson wasn't thrilled that he went, that Mac went to the hospital. Um, but Jackson had been on stage, so he hadn't been able to go. And but also doesn't know that Jackson went to Tennessee. I guess does know that Charles and Zayd went to Tennessee. Um, and it's just kind of thrown in. It's just one paragraph. There's not even a mention of like how Mac feels that he's letting Jackson know. Um, or like if Jackson's supposed to pass on the news to everybody else. Like there, it's just kind of thrown in there to be like, just a reminder Jackson does exist. And you know, particularly since care. particularly since you have to assume that the other members of the cast and crew are talking about what happened and probably trying to get in touch with Mac. And so even though Jackson, I, I am willing to spot Jackson the baseline level of intelligence to fucking connect the yarn board dots from Charles and Zade fuck off to Centertown, Tennessee to be with Della. Mac is AWOL presumably like Mac, like no one's going to say, Oh yeah. Mac is just drinking his sorrows off in a bar somewhere. They're, 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 right. they're going to assume that things are good. Um, we are, oh. I do remember now though, after the illusion, they've lost a lot of blood. Like she was, blood was coming out of everywhere. Oh, and that's like, right. There's no talk in the hospital. She's not in there long enough from the sounds of it to even get like a blood transfusion. And like, I, I, it, the blood coming out I get is for effect but like there is no way this poor woman has any more blood in her system nope so um Lenny drop the blood in one of two places when you make the movie please <laughs> or or again going back to Dracula I have a scene where Della Charles and Mac all give Zaid uh, a transfusion um we are getting to the what the fuck moment in this chapter which is on 385 in my book, um, whatever percentage on your e-reader device of your choice, where Della, in the middle of out of doing an out-of-habit car reading, like fidgeting with them, says, This must be what it's like to be a mortal. It's a terrible experience. Which is the first time where we are informed that Della is not human. Right? No, because... There is discussion of how, like, Zade and Della aren't technically morals when mortals when there's uh, the talk of how humans and, and witches don't um, don't marry. Um, so, so you're right. You're absolutely right. And there's a lot of but, it, but it's always couched in terms of like people like us, which which I was reading as people with magical powers, not as people who are fundamentally inhuman. The 90s show, I think I talked about this last time I came up. The 90s show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, 
had a similar vein of like mortals versus witches. So it's because there's the mortal world and the other realm. Okay. And so like this probably bothered me the chapter before because of the whole marriage thing. Um, here, like, it could have been worded differently. We've been told that Della can't, or can read minds and that she's clairvoyant and Claire, uh, whatever the audio Claire version of it yeah. is. Um, and so, like, it doesn't bother me that she says this. It's phrased weird, but I get the sentiment behind it. I, 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 I hear you, and and your your reading is absolutely supported textually. It it is just such a like I I am reading it more literally um, rather than the uh, the Muggle v Wizard sense of of the term, which seems like maybe that's what the book is going. But but like, so does Charles have any actual supernatural powers of his own? No. Okay. He's human. Okay. He's he's. Which is why there's the whole discussion of how her mother got thrown out of the wizarding world because she married Charles. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and then it's mom and dad sitting around the coffee table talking about where their daughter, you know, when their daughter is going to settle down and, and marry a nice boy. And maybe, maybe Mac is that nice boy who can say, which to be honest is very Southern. Yeah. That's very Southern. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first time that like, I'm like, that's Southern as can be. Yep. That is a, that is a, it is a, 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 a ray of light shining through the clouds because that is an honest and genuinely human interaction. Um, yeah. I mean, I, by 25, my dad was asking me if I was gay because I wasn't anywhere close to settling down. So it is a very like, it, I don't know. It just, it made me laugh because all I could think of was the night I drink myself silly as I stood there with a friend of mine taking shots every time my dad mentioned that he was worried about me because I wasn't dating. Yeesh. So I ended up very drunk in my wonderful roommate's bedroom while he sat there and did his statistics homework and I slept in his floor. So um, shout out to Joe, who <laughs> doesn't listen to this, who I am no longer friends with, but like, thanks for being a positive light that night. There you go. There you go. Um, Charles says there is the issue of him being mortal, which again... We are reading, we are interpreting differently. Um, and. Max passed out. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Like he's completely run out of steam, which is understandable. Um, they seem to like him, which like is fine, I guess. Like I want to like Mac, but he has done some stupidly questionable things and if he chooses to be to grow from this book whenever the next book comes out like fine hey, 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 yeah. i can i can give him a pass on being a, a young stupid guy oh uh, the 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 sequel reminds me uh, okay so let's say let's say there are at least three sequels to this book do so four books exactly at least do you think that the first one will be called handbook numeral four mortals i have no idea all right but no i because i hate that. i i that 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 idea is free lenny serum um then we basically get the same few pages repeated a couple of times because zade comes out of it and starts talking and then it's all like yep all the stuff that the reader knows because you were narrating it third person omniscient now we are telling you explicitly 
and she wants morphine. Um, because like nothing, nothing new is added in the last several several pages because it's it's all it's events that we witness as readers. Yeah, like if there was her passing out and waking up, and this is the first thing, and then it was a flashback, and then a flashback, within a flashback. I don't know if I would have liked that actually. Now that I start talking about it, I don't know. It's too many I don't flashes know back. how this could have been done or whatever, but like. I mean, of course, they have to tell her what happened. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's repetitive. Because Lanny learned during a time where you write a statement. What is it? Write a, what's the opening? Oh, you, you, you thesis statement. Thesis. You were, you say that I'm talking about these points, you talk about those points, and then you say I talked about those points. The five para- the classic five par- paragraph structure. Yes. Um, and then it, it ends with um, Mac apologizing for thinking that Zayd was fucking her father. Um, She's shocked to find that Mac's actually still there. Right, is, yeah, because she, she thought that once, once, once Mac found out that Zade can't step into the sunlight because she'll sparkle and everyone will know that she's she's more than human that that Mac would run out. And yeah. so um Charles and Mac take all the blame for what happened to Zade, which like of course they do because she's a Mary fucking Sue, but like again, this is in a big part, Zade's fault. Uh, per- pretty extensively. Um, Charles shares some of the blame for not telling anyone, because um, he at least knew the, knew the score. Um, and yeah, uh, Zade never does get her morphine. Mac does apologize. Uh, yeah, I-, I wish there was a scene of her mom, like, reaming her out for messing with magic that she doesn't know how to handle or doing this or, like, anything. Like, she gets off... Scott, I mean, not Scott Free because she nearly died, but like a quick reminder of like what you did was stupid. And while everybody is apologizing, like you did something stupid and you need to learn that you did something stupid should happen. Right. Which is also a classic parenting move. We are glad you're okay. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, you're great. Right, exactly. And now you are going to be punished for getting yourself in this stupid ass situation in the first place. Um, yeah. And then everybody falls asleep. Yep. Deep. There's a moment where she says, I guess this is how blind people feel. It's and I'm like, e- I don't think people, blind people are in pain. And that's why they can't open their eyes and you can't blame it on morphine. Cause you don't have any morphine. Um, which I am allergic to morphine. Such a fun thing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, what do they, what do they use instead? Dilaudid and Percocet. Okay. See, Oxy's just didn't work for me, but I didn't have an allergic reaction to them, so. Nope. I barf like the Blair would. No. Um, like Exorcist? The Exorcist. Yep. Yep. Funny story that I'll end up cutting is uh, Thanksgiving Day. I, I had a. Uh, I had surgery. Um, on, on, it was around Thanksgiving. I feel like it was on Thanksgiving Day, but there's no way that anybody was doing actual surgery on Thanksgiving Day. Mm. But, anyways. Um, the, I get out of surgery and I'm eating because you can't eat pre-surgery right. so I'm eating my first meal afterwards 
And I keep telling like the nurse that I'm like, I'm going to barf. I'm going to throw up. This is going to make me sick, whatever. And he he doesn't listen to me. And then I projectile vomit all over him. Ooh. And then and then I was on morphine for like three more weeks and was okay. But I also wasn't eating much during that time. And then after my skin graft surgery, they because again you can't eat beforehand. Yep. So um, I threw up at least like three or four times. I, I've thrown up enough after morphine that like. If I have an allergy, it's considered an allergy and like they put it on my medical forms. But like, I've also had it. I, it's not going to kill me to be on morphine. I'm just going to throw up a lot. Okay. People. Got it. Got it. So, got it, got it. Right. but that ICU nurse never, I never saw him in rotation again because I projectile vomited Thanksgiving dinner all over him. Wow. So, yes. Don't even remember his name. I'm sorry, dude. Though. <laughs> Shout out to Joe and the ICU nurse that you projectile vomited. <laughs> all over also shout out to my icu nurses megan and caitlin because i can remember their names and because they were my constant like most of the rotations because they had my name and my sister caitlin's name there so. we go yeah so that wraps it up for this chapter um despite it being called death everyone survives uh possibly changed i doubt anyone has changed in this book um everyone is to be generous, what Robin Laws would consider an iconic hero, but that's a subject for another podcast. Um, we only have two chapters to go, plus the afterword, plus the prequel or the preview of next time on Handbook for more tools, I guess. No. Um, what do you think is going to happen with the rest of the book? Um, well, the next chapter is called Judgment. So. Um, What's going to happen is uh, the ancient figures of, of, of magical history, like Hermes Trimagestris and, and Horus and you know everyone else are, are going to come down and Zaid is going to be forced to stand trial for um, calling up that which he cannot put down for such vulgar gains as having a pretty okay illusion in in uh vegas stage show so that's that's my guess zade has to zade has to lip sync for her life uh in, in front of you know a, a a panel to atone for what she has done leading up to this i there are so many questions as yet unanswered such as basically every question that has been raised except for our Charles and Zade sleeping together? The answer is no. But, like, what well, is. I wasn't sure if you were, like, keeping a list. Oh, well, okay. What's the. Gesundheit. What is the deal with the. Uh, Gesundheit. What is the deal with the. Uh, the wizard who shows up and gets into a wizard's duel? How many other magic users mm -hmm. are out there? What is the. Um, what is the central conflict that, that must exist? Um, everything that is. You, you, the book has two chapters to be more than a meat cute because at this point all we have is that Zade has met cute and that's it I don't think we're going to get more than that no spoilers no spoilers um, considering I actually don't really know what happens in the next chapter because I don't really remember other than like one small line I 
that could have happened in the next chapter. I don't know. We'll find out together. Um, so that wraps it for this chapter. Uh, we are, as I said, two more to go in the uh, the main text. Then we get into the supplementary materials, director's commentary, all that fun stuff. Um, all right. Uh, did I, I recommended something good first last time, so it's your turn. You recommend something that is better than this book. Um, I'm going to recommend that everybody remember that nonfiction is a genre and that they should read some nonfiction in life. Um, I am currently reading the... Shit, I gotta remember exactly what the name of it is. The Woman Who Smashed Coats. It's a true story of love, spies, and the unlikely heroine who outwitted America's enemies. Um, It is the story of... My phone's being really slow. Um, Elizabeth Smith, who um, later becomes Elizabeth Freeman, I believe. Um, and she and her husband were cryptologists during World War One. Huh. Um, so it is an absolutely fascinating read. I don't read a ton of nonfiction outside of like memoirs. Um, and this one has made me say, oh shit, out loud at least three times. Um, they are, her husband was William Friedman. Um, he is actually fairly well known if you know anything about cryptologists. Wait, William Friedman? Um, uh-huh. Oh, i sorry. I had him confused with William Friedkin. Ignore me. Um, and like they talk about how there was this absolutely unbreakable code, um, cause it like had gone through five different. Um, ciphers and that he solved it within 15 minutes she solved it within 17 um they also talk about how you know all in movies and in pop culture there's always talk about how like if you don't have the book you can't break the code and um they actually broke codes like that they required a book cipher without ever seeing the book oh neat um and so it kind of goes in some of the like theory of how they talked about it. So it is absolutely fascinating. I love cryptology. So um, this book had been on hold for me for a few weeks or a few months. And I was very glad to see it come up. And uh, given that the last nonfiction I did not finish, I was I'm very, very glad that this has been absolutely fascinating. So what about you? Uh, okay. I am going to recommend a movie called Murder Party. It is written directed by Jeremy Saulnier, who also did Blue Ruin and Green Room. Uh, this was his first feature, and it's zero budget. Um, like, there are a lot of Saulniers involved in this movie, so it's a, it's a real small cast and crew. Very, very, very funny. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, um, because there's not much plot, but what's there is, is very entertaining. And it's a weird moment in time, um, because it's, well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I have a love of, of pre-Giuliani New York City movies, uh, that really capture what... Uh, the city was like before uh, Giuliani really got behind racist policing policies and worked to transform the city's character. Um, 
in, in, in this, you have a, a, a group of characters who are hanging out in an abandoned warehouse and talking about how it's going to be turned into artist lofts, overpriced artist lofts, and figuring out how they can be the people who live in the overpriced art, artist loft. So it's that was a, a nice little beat. Um, it was on Netflix for a while, and then it wasn't, and it's... I, I wound up watching it on Shudder, of all things. Um, plug for Shudder, it's fun if you like horror, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, Murder Party by... Um, so, uh, Solnir is the director. Alright, um, so next week we'll be doing chapter 20, but in the meantime, where else can they find you, Miss Megan? Uh, I host two other podcasts, Judging Book Covers Podcast with uh, Stephanie Cortez and Fabulous Retellings with Marilag Ingway. So you can find either of those. Fabulous is also weekly, and uh, Judging Book Covers is bi-weekly. And I can be found at Over the Tabletop. A whenever we get around to it, we're having a bit of a, a, a break right now as stuff gets sorted out. Uh, podcast focusing on two-player board games, and that's Over the Tabletop, uh, Libsyn, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Uh, search Over the Tabletop, and you'll probably find us. Um, so uh, there we go. Yeah, where can people get in touch with us for this podcast? Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter at Handbook Podcast. Um, there's also a Facebook group called a um, sorry a Handbook for Judging Fabulous Retellings covers. Um, come join us. There um, is not a ton of conversations, but I'm hoping um, I'm trying to remember to post more um, and get more interaction because I am deeply in love with talking about books so come join us and talk about that or you know talk about us with uh you know talk about what lanny serum's doing which is not a lot right now she's out promoting her book and uh yeah. she has been she has been remarkably quiet of late um so yeah that's it for this week next week will be more um until next time i remain from my sins james de brooker and i'm megan griffin <laughs>